Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. Let's listen to our senior pastor, James Aiden. So if we haven't met, my name's James, and uh, I pastor this church most days. Uh, and uh, at the beginning of this year, we, we, uh, we really felt God give us a word for our church. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 to 4. I love it. Uh, Isaiah uh, 54, verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your curtain, tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. Uh, this year in our church, uh, the, the word, not just for this year, sorry, but this season is strengthen, strengthening us as a church. That's why we're doing different things like the prophetic ministry. Uh, prophetic ministry school, we're doing that in order to strengthen the body in the church to be able to understand and grow in the prophetic. We're doing our family conference, not so that we can get everyone in Manila at our conference, but so we can strengthen our church family together. And, uh, and I love this verse because, uh, let's put it back up on the screen, because it says this first sentence of enlarge the place of your tent. You know, enlarging the place of your tent talks about your capacity. It talks about an increase of capacity. See, it doesn't matter how much flow there is coming down from heaven. If you don't have the capacity to receive it, you'll miss out. It doesn't matter how much opportunity you have coming into your life. If you don't have the capacity to receive it, you're going to miss out. See, capacity is your limit. It's your maximum level of output that you can achieve. It's just the ma- what's your capacity is how far you can be pushed, what you can handle, what you can do. And our capacity is determined by how much we can handle in any given area of our life. So we all have a capacity in different things, like our personal relationships. We've all got a level of capacity in our personal relationships. We've all got a level of capacity in our study for those that are students, in our business for those that are in business. We have a capacity for that. For those that are into health and fitness, there's a capacity that we have for that. And also, most importantly, we all have a capacity for our spiritual lives and our relationship with God. And increasing our capacity in any given area allows us to grow and to handle more in what we're doing. And I love that I get to preach this message for the very first time here in the Philippines because Filipinos are special. I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, but when a Filipino sees a sign that tells us what the maximum occupancy is we look at that sign and we say we can bit more and tell me I'm wrong a couple weeks ago I went on the MRT for my very first time it was, it was exciting it was exciting I went one stop from Shaw to Bonnie MRT completely surrounded by all our staff so I wouldn't get robbed and uh 
it, they, they formed a human, you know, circle around the white guy. And, uh, and so I'm there. Here's, luckily, it, it wasn't a peak hour as well. It was, but I've seen it at peak hour. I see what happens at peak hour at the MRT. You know what happens? The, the doors come and they, and they open. And the, the person right there at the door has to just move back a little bit so that the door just doesn't hit their nose. And they stand, and what did they stand there like this? Right on the door, right? They're there. No room. No room. You can't fit any more in. What do people do? Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Como esta, Right? That's what we do, right? We don't care. In the fil- I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. I'll let the Lord speak to you about that. Elevators and condominiums, it's like it's full. You can't fit anyone more in. And then that person just comes in. And what's worse is when they do it and they don't look at you. They look, they see that it's full, so they don't want my eye contact. So they turn around and just, they kind of just put the, <laughs> right? They just put their little butt in like that. And you can't do anything about it. My hands just go up in the air. Accountability. Accountability. My hands are in the air. I'm freaking out. There's all these people in there. So here's the thing. We understand in this country. This is why I love sharing this message in this country. Because we understand that even though we may be at capacity, there's always more. You can always fit more in. See, our capacity when it comes to God will determine how much we can receive from him. I want to be a Filipino MRT rider. Oh, just one more. Just one more. Just fit one more in. Just come one more in. Just get, we can fit you in. I never want to be satisfied with where I'm currently at because the moment I get satisfied with where I'm currently at, I stop growing and I become stagnant. And let me just say this. There's no such thing as staying in the same place and being stagnant because everybody else around you will begin to grow, which means that you'll begin to go backwards. I don't want to ever get in the place where I'm happy with where I am. I'm cool. That's it. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to chill forever because I want to grow because there is more. I can be stretched. I can grow in who I am as a person. I don't want to stand still and be left behind. It doesn't mean that God's going to love me more. Not at all. But it means that as my capacity begins to grow in every single area of my life, I can do more. I can achieve more. I can accomplish more. I want to always press forward and grow into the man that God wants me to become. And so today we're going to look at a story in the Bible. If you have your Bible today, it's a miracle that you brought it to church. Well done. Uh, But it's in 2 Kings chapter 4. For those of you that don't have your Bible, you can look at the screen and let God deal with your heart. (laughs) 2 Kings chapter 4. Hey, I didn't bring my Bible. I brought an iPad, so it's all good. Says this, one day, everyone say one day. One day, day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. 
When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. If you are taking notes today, the title of my message is simply this, one more jar. Everyone say one more jar. Come on, look at your neighbor and say one more jar. Um, I love, uh, if you know me, you know that I have uh, what you would describe as a, a unhealthy uh, eating uh, habit. Uh, I just love junk food. I love bad food. I love cakes and I love chocolate. And isn't it great that we live in the diabetic capital of the world here in the Philippines? Uh, right? We love chocolate. We love sugar. One of the things that I have grown to love, uh, almost become obsessed with, uh, uh, a, a couple in our church own this business, and, and it's called lolly cakes. And, and what it is is it, it's, it's like this, this cake, so beautiful and soft, but with such flavor on top of a stick like a lollipop, and you're supposed to eat it, like bite into it, but you can just put the whole thing in your mouth. It's amazing. It, it's, it's one of the greatest things that the Philippines has ever produced. And, uh, and, and so uh, this couple had a birthday party for their son. It was a one-year-old birthday party. And in true Filipino style, it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It was better than my wedding reception. This, I would have been happy if that was my re- wedding reception, right? They had food everywhere, basketball stuff everywhere. And then they had this big stand. Because they owned the business, they had a stand, lo- lolly cake stand there. And so I went by, you know, I'm getting all the free food, you know, first birthday party. It's all about the mom, not about the kid. And so I'm there, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm getting all the food. And then I, I, I come upon the lolly cake, and I'm like, ooh, lolly cake. Don't mind if I do. And I grabbed the couple. I, I went back and, and I saw other people beginning to grab. I went back to the table and I began to eat it. And I turned around and I saw that, that this man had come with this, this huge uh, like tray and, and began to refill all the lolly cakes that had been taken. <laughs> well, no invitation needed. I got up, I, w- I went there, and there was people around me, and so I grabbed two, and then I said, you know, you know when you say, you're like, you don't want to look, look like that person, so you say really loudly, <laughs> just getting a couple for my wife. <laughs> I didn't get any for her at all. I got four for me. I went back. I started nailing these things like they were potato chips. I'm, in, I'm not even breathing. I'm just inhaling <laughs> these lolly cakes, right? And then I turn around. Here's what's crazy. I thought, okay, that's it. We've done. I've taken like a bunch. I turn around and magically all the lolly cakes had reappeared. At that point, I knew we needed to do something about it. I hit K. I said, babe, this, it's like a never-ending supply of lolly cakes. You see, there's a problem with people. Too many people think short-term. So too many people think, oh, lolly cakes, unending. I'll just have as many as I can here at this party. <laughs> you got to think long term. How many lolly cakes can I sneak out of this party? <laughs> she had a big, Kate had this big jacket on there, this big denim jacket. And so we went up, I put my jacket on, we went up, and we just started taking lolly cakes and just began. It was like we were smuggling crack cocaine out of the country. <laughs> we just kept putting, we kept going back and back, and we do little bits at, at a time. We, you don't, you don't want to do too many at a time so people see. And that little magic 
elf just came back and kept putting lolly cakes straight back in, right? It, I just kept it. We, I, I don't even know how many lolly cakes we took that day. But at one point, I'm like, babe, babe, we can fit more. And she goes, we can't, we can't fit any more in. I said, where's the baby's bag? Get that crap out of there. We can buy diapers at another time. Fill it. I said, there's always room for one more. We can always get one. Come on now. See, a lot of times... A lot of times we look at our life and our capacity and we think, oh no, I can't go anymore. I can't. There's always room for more. The more capacity that you have, the more you can do. The more capacity you have, the more that you can get. The more capacity you have, the more that you can bless. The more capacity you have, the more that you can influence. Today, I want to ask a question and, and answer it with three quick points from this story. And it's simply this. How can I increase my capacity? Number one is this, don't speak negatively against your own capacity. Yeah. Verse two, it said, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing at all, except for a flask of oil. See, most of the time, we are the worst limiters of our own capacity. Yeah. The widow says, oh, I got nothing. She spoke over herself that she had nothing. It's incredible that what she saw as nothing except for this little flask of oil, God used to create a miracle that she would live off for the rest of her life. What is in your life right now that you are speaking negatively against that, oh, I don't have much, I don't have this, I don't have that? One of the worst things we can do is speak negatively about ourselves. See, the devil is already against you. He, we don't need to start agreeing with him. Yeah. The devil's against you. He don't need our agreement to help him. In the book of Amos, in the Bible, chapter 3, verse 3. Some of you didn't even know there was a book in the Bible called Amos. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Basically saying this, when you walk with someone, you have to be in agreement with them as you're walking in the same direction. A lot of people have walked into church today agreeing with the devil that you're not good enough, that you're not great enough, that you came from the wrong family, that you're in the wrong class, that you didn't go to the right school, and you've walked in agreeing with the devil oh not today it's time today to start disagreeing with the devil and start agreeing with what God has spoken over your life sometimes we walk into church and we walk out and we go wow that was a great sermon for someone else wow that's inspiring but too bad it won't happen to me and we are the ones that speak negatively over ourselves before we've even allowed God the chance to work on us. Yeah. Now, I don't want to make a big deal about this. But I've been going to the gym for the last two weeks. <laughs> and uh, not yet. There's, there will be no sampling yet. <laughs> Stick around. You never know. So I, I go to the gym and, uh, and, and anytime fitness, as I'm like, and, and so Albie, uh, who's my man down here, Albie, Albie, who is super respectful to me the majority of the time of our relationship, he works for me here in church, he trains me. Uh, unfortunately for Albie, I hate working out with all my heart. I think that working out um, was a gift given by the devil. Uh, <laughs> to the world. And, um, and, and, so, and so when I go to the gym, all my anger and aggression uh, for working out, I just, I put it all on Albie. And, 
And, and, and so I just, I just put, it, I put it on him. And so we just, we fight and we argue. He, he does everything I tell him to do at work. But when it comes to the gym, you know, he puffs his chest out a little bit because he's got a big chest. He's quiet. He's a good, and you're single, aren't you? Are you single? You're single, Diva? Wow. So Albie, right, we had this conversation. So Albie goes like this, okay, we're going to do 15 reps. I straight away go, no, 10. He goes, no, 15. I'll do two, eight, nine, 10. I'm done. And he goes, Star. Right? He said to me the other day, Friday, we turned up to the gym. Friday, he goes, okay, today's leg day. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not leg day. And he goes, yes, it's leg day. I said, look at my legs. I said, they're great. I grew up playing sport. I look good in skinny jeans. I don't need to work on legs. Okay? So, so, so here's the problem, right? This is as real and authentic as I can get. I'm preaching to myself in the middle of this story because here's my problem, and, I, and I'm being honest and open about this, is that I am denying myself the chance of growth before I've even given myself an opportunity to do it. You know what? Why can't I do 15 reps? When I get to 10, because I'm the one that said I can only do 10, I stop at 10. So many times we do this in our own lives. We walk in and we're like, no, I'm not good enough. No, I'll never be, I'll never be like that person. I can't achieve what that, I can't do what, what that's called. Oh God, you, you called me to do this, but I'll never ever be able to do that. And some of us need to get this revelation. Ready? Y'all need to shut up. Stop speaking negative against yourself. Stop agreeing with the devil. Start disagreeing with the devil. And start walking in agreement in the same direction with God and what he says in your life. And if you don't know what God thinks about you, and if you don't know what he says, and if you don't know his promise for your life, open the word of God because there are countless promises. There are countless things that God has said over you. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 29 says he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. You may have walked in here today going, I feel weak. I don't feel strong. I don't know if I can take on this week. God says that he gives strength to the weary and he gives power to the weak. You need to stop agreeing with the devil and you need to start agreeing with God that in my weakness I will be made strong because of God. Isaiah 43, a few chapters later in verse 2, it says when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You walked into here today, go, I'm going through tough time I'm in a deep part of the river you ain't gonna drown stop saying you're gonna drown because you're not because God said he's gonna be with you the fires are coming hell the fires are gonna come but when you got Jesus on your side you begin to agree and say this fire ain't gonna touch me like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego I'm gonna stand in the midst of the fire and the fourth man Jesus is gonna show up he's gonna be here in my life I'm facing a fire in my job but it doesn't matter because these flames will not consume me the devil says I'm gonna burn Jesus says I'm gonna burn for him. Isaiah 54 verse 17 it says this, but in the coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. If you grew up in church in your old school, it says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. You walked in here today and you got enemies in your life. People speaking against you. People putting you down.
down. Some of you, your parents are speaking against you, putting you down. Some of you got enemies in business, in your relationships. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You got voices telling you you can't do it. God says he will silence. God says he will shut the mouths of your enemies. Yeah, but they're so loud. Shut up! Stop agreeing with the devil. God says he's with you. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's too many Christians in this world that give the devil too much credit. What you, how you doing today? Oh, the devil's been against me. The devil's brought sickness. The devil's on this. The devil's on it. No! It's time to claim the word of God. The devil has no power over you. And if you submit yourself to God, then he will flee. He ain't going to stay there and play and trick and do it. He's going to run for his life because he just realized that you got a revelation of the power of Jesus in your life. Yeah, but the devil's got this against me. No, shut up. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Jesus doesn't send an angel to do his work. The Lord himself is going before you. You're walking into a new season. The Lord himself is going before you. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be discouraged. There's no reason to be scared about what's coming. The Lord himself is going before you. I am preaching so much better than your response. And some of you need to begin to respond because you're walking in fear. You're walking being discouraged. And right now, you need to start disagreeing with the devil. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. It just got spiritual. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Yeah, but I'm single and I can't get married. Shut up. He got a plan for you. He got a hope for you. He got a future for you that's better than any future you ever could have dreamed of, ever could imagine. The devil's coming in. The devil's saying you're going to be single forever. You're going to be jobless forever. You're going to be hopeless forever. But my God says, I got a plan to prosper. I got a hope and I got a future for you. And you need to start agreeing. John chapter 8 verse 36 says so if the sun sets you free you are truly free it don't say if the sun sets you free you're sort of free it don't say if the sun sets you free you're free for two hours when you're at church on Sunday it says if the sun has set you free you are free indeed Christ gave, came to give liberty and to give freedom to break you from the chains of bondage oh but the devil will come in and say you'll never break away you got that curse you got that sin you got that bur- you're never going to break away if Jesus came to set you free then you have been set free from any curse that the devil put on you from anything that's come from your generation before you you have been set free Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 and it says and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus oh but I'll never have enough I'll never have what that person has I'm struggling in my finances I can never give to God hey my Bible says 
that God will supply all my needs. Yeah, well, you don't know what my needs are. I don't, but he does, and he promised to supply it. No, he'll never supply it. Good. Keep talking, because he never will. We've got to start disagreeing with the devil. We've got to start agreeing with God's word and the truth and the power of what he said. Stop limiting your own capacity by speaking negatively over your life. You get, listen, I'm not telling you to start doing that name it, claim it crap. It's not about that. It's not about positive speaking makes positive vibes. It's not, it's not about that. I'm not about that because all of that void of the Holy Spirit is just nonsense. You add the Holy Spirit into positive vibes and positive feels, you'll, you'll get Holy Spirit vibes and you'll get Holy Spirit feels. And that's what will change your life. Stop limiting yourself. You are the biggest limiter of your own destiny in Jesus. Disagree with the devil. Agree with God. Number two. Let's go fast. How can we increase our capacity? Number two is simply this. Stretch yourself. Now, uh, verse 6, bring me another jar, she said to her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Listen to me. If you don't get anything out of this sermon other than these next two lines, then, then let it be this. The oil stopped flowing when the widow ran out of jars to store it in. So, so here, here's what it comes down to. The issue wasn't the provision. It was the capacity to hold what was given. The issue wasn't the provision. It was the capacity to hold what was given. See, greater capacity rarely just falls on you. It is stretched inside of you. God is sovereign and he can do anything at any time. And there are moments when we can come down the front and someone can pray and it's just like capacity falls on you. But that is far and few in between. That's the exception to the rule. Generally, what happens is that capacity is grown inside of you as it is stretched inside of you. Capacity is not built by studying something. It's built by living it. You can read all the books you want. You can go to all the seminars you want. You can sit and amen in this sermon all you want. But capacity ain't going to be built until you step out these doors and begin to live in the stretch. And is it hard? Absolutely. That's why it's called a stretch. Because stretching is never fun. It hurts. It's painful. But if you don't give up, I remember uh, before I had children, I was married with Kate. And it was before children. And we were very happy. (laughs) We're we're still very happy. Uh, But we were just very happy and had a lot more money. And... uh, just a lot more free time. And, and so we, we went to a, a vacation in the United States. It was the first time Kate had ever been there. And, and I'm Australian, uh, accent. I know it's a bit weird. I, just, I put it on because Kate likes the American accent. <laughs> I got her, so I win. And, uh, but we're Aussie, but we went to the U.S. and we traveled around the U.S., saw a bunch of our friends and, and people that we love. And, and then we went to New York. And so this was supposed to be like our, our baby-making trip. Like, hey, we, this is like this is like Palauan before Palauan existed, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, 
And, and so we were going to travel around. So we got to New York. And then one day, we went for this walk uh, around New York City. It was a beautiful summer's day. You know, went down to Central Park and saw the people rollerblading and in the paddle boats in the, in the lake and all that kind of stuff. And I got home, and I was so tired. Because if you know me, I hate physical, you know, fit, without a ball involved, why would you run? I just don't understand. <laughs> Unless you're running towards a ball or running from, you know, someone trying to kill you, why would you run? And, uh, and so, so I'm so tired. So I get home, we get back to this hotel, and I remember I fell on the bed, like, ugh, like dramatically. And I went, Kate, I can't have kids. She kind of looked at me, I said, unashamedly, I am so selfish. I said, right now, all I want to do is lie in this bed. But if we had a kid, I'd have to, like, you know, make sure they were alive. <laughs> and I don't have the emotional capacity for that in my life right now. And I can't, and so I did, so we, we, didn't, we didn't try for a kid. A few months later, I had the revelation that my, my selfishness would never be fixed. And so we just went for it and we had a child. And I remember as, as Kate was pregnant, you know, dreaming about this first child and praying about this little baby girl that ended up being hope. I remember that, uh, that, that I was so scared about having a first kid. I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make sure that, you know, she stays alive? How am I going to raise her up? And, and then, you know, she's going to meet a man one day, and I'm going to want to kill him. And so, you know, how do we do? and I'm freaking out about how, how to have this first kid and how to change diapers, and we're going to get up in the middle of the night. And so we had hope, and it was beautiful, but people ask, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, oh my God, it's so, it's so difficult, you know, one child, oh, right? And people would multiple kids would just smile at us and I'm like oh and then I thought hey you know let's have another one we've done okay with this one so 20 months later we have our second one Sienna Brave my little princess that's right here and 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 like but I'm freaking out going okay one is good like like one it's like if you're tired you just you know and you just throw her. You, you can just get rid of her and then you're free, right? You have two, all of a sudden, like, you both have a child. Like, no one can rest at all. It, it's just constantly going. And I'm like, how are we gonna do this with two kids? We now have two car seats in the back and, and now there's two sets of, you know, college bills to, to pay for and it's another daughter. Now I'm gonna have to murder another man. And I, I don't know, I mean, I'm good with one murder, but two? Ah. And so, like, I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? I don't know how I can, I, I, like, having two children, it's crazy. So, anyway, we have two children, we're stretched, and people are like, how you doing? Like, oh, my God, two kids, oh, my God. You know, like, we're free, it's two kids freaking out. And then I thought, you know, I got two girls, I need a boy, you know? I need my, my seed to just go forth to this world and let my name continue. And so I told Kate, give me a boy, and she did. And so... So, so we had a boy, three, we had three children under four years old, right? The craziest, stupidest thing that anyone could ever do. And people ask us, how you doing? I'm like, oh my God. I had three under four, and it was, it was, cra and it, and it was crazy, and, and, I'm not, and I'm not sure how we do it. And it's tough. Like, it's, it's really tough. Like, sometimes it's hard. I mean, at the end of this service, all y'all that don't have kids get to go have dinner and hang out and just flick through social media, go home, go to sleep. Like, we got to get three kids that have been here all day, and we got to take them to the car, and every demon that was cast out of all of you in the middle of the services flies to my children and goes inside of them as we get them in the car to take them home, and we go home. 
And then we've got to take three kids and all the baby crap everywhere because there's so much of it. And we've got to take it up 38 floors to level 38. And I'm there and some nice people sometimes give me food like, oh, pastor, here's our adobo. I'm like, oh, madame zalamapo. But then in my head, I'm like, how the hell am I going to carry this? I can't. I've got kids everywhere and I'm going up and I'm like, ah, right? And then I have a conversation with a single student. How are you doing? Oh, pastor, I'm so tired. Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you how life has changed. Last October, we went to Kuala Lumpur, and, uh, and we were at a conference. It was my sister's church, her conference, and my, my parents met us there. It was going to be a time that we could spend as family. So we're in the room. My two girls are, like, jumping, going nuts in the hotel room. They're dancing, singing, I love my shoes, I love my shoes, and they're going crazy, and, and they're doing their thing. My, my, my mom comes, grandma, ultimate grandma, comes in. She's like, okay, James, I'll take the girls out. And I'm like, yes, thank you, grandma. And so she goes out, and again, I promise you, it was like New York all over again. I, I fell onto the bed dramatically. <laughs> I fell into the bed and I, and I said this out loud. I went, oh, thank God they're gone. <laughs> it, finally, we get a break. And then I slowly looked over to my left. And my three-month-old son was just looking at me. And I'm like, I remember I said, Kate, this is crazy. I said, how much have we grown that four years ago, a three-month-old was like, how are we going to keep this thing alive? And four years later and three kids later, we're like, wow, it's a vacation. We only have one. <laughs> right? Was it easy? Not at all. But has my capacity grown? Absolutely. Yeah. If you'd show me who I was four years ago, I never would have believed you because it just would have been a story. But because I've lived it, because I've walked through it, my capacity has grown with my family now. I, I preach three times in the middle of my service today. My daughter is asleep on my lap because she's not feeling well, and I'm taking her, and then I got to get up and preach. Like, if I thought, if you told me 10 years ago that that was going to happen, I'd be like, no way, I can't do that. I need to prepare. I'm a man of God. My, my child can go elsewhere, right? But it's not. But I'm a dad. I love my kid. I'm a dad. And God has given me the grace because yeah. I've submitted to him. And in the middle of the stretch, and it is tough. Those late Sunday nights are tough. They're not easy. But when you do it once, it's easier to do it a second time because there's a stretch happening. And the more that you stretch is the more that you grow. And is it painful? Yes. But here's the mistake that some people make. They take the pain that they feel in the stretch and they allow the pain to become so large that they give up. So that's why people walk away from marriages. Because there's a stretch in the marriage and they feel the pain. They go, I can't handle this, and they walk away. Unfortunately, in this country, more than any other country I know, there's people that feel the pain and the stretch in being a parent, and instead of pushing through, they walk away. There, there's people here that, that feel the pain and the stretch in your jobs and in your business, and instead of sticking it out and growing, you walk away. There's people here that have felt the pain and the stretch in church, but instead of sticking it out and growing, you've walked away. Unfortunately, there's people here, and there's people, a lot of people outside of the, this church and outside of the church of Jesus Christ that have had the pain and the stretch of being a Christian but have ended up walking away. Don't ever let the pain lie to you. 
and say that this is how it's always going to be. There's pain in the stretch. But once you've stretched, good things can happen. Just ask any pregnant woman. There's pain in the stretch. It lasts about nine months. But when that baby comes out, it's all worth it. You know, when I'm at the gym, which is quite regularly now, <laughs> if I just did the same weights every single day, if I just did the exact same weights every single day, I'm never going to grow. The whole point of the gym is once you can do that weight to add a little bit extra weight so that as you lift it and it's tough, it tears your muscle fibers. That's how muscle grows. Your muscle fibers are torn and then they grow back stronger and bigger. And that's why you just keep adding weights, keep adding weights, keep adding reps so that you can grow bigger and you can go stronger. When we talk about our walk with God, we have to stretch ourselves. We really do. We need to stretch ourselves when it comes to our walk with God. That's why in our church, I, 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 is this your first time? Welcome to church. Uh, but one of the things I love to say is I want people to feel uncomfortable in our church. Not in a weird like, ooh, I feel weird and uncomfortable here. But in a weird like, ooh, I, I feel uncomfortable being stagnant. Come as you are. Love it. Come as you are. Come as you are. Jesus loves you the way that you are. But please, God, don't stay as you are. He didn't die for you to stay how you are. And so when it comes to things like worship in our church, we push worship in our church in a way that makes some people feel uncomfortable because we're trying to grow spiritual muscles. You, you know how I describe it in our church is this. Have you ever hugged someone that, that, that when you're supposed to release, they don't release? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Yeah. Are you that person? I'm a, little bit, I'm a little bit of that person. You know, the, the long hugger? So like dudes, this is how we hug, man, as dudes. We're like, hey, what's up, boy? And we, like, we do the slap. And then we either hold the hand and bring it in, or we just do the slap, and then around the back, tap, bam. What's up, bro? That's it, right? It's like the tap, right? Oh, my boys, we talking? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, for some reason, we all go gangster, even though I'm the most whitest person on the planet. I'm like, yeah, what's up, boy? Yeah. And then I go, yeah, it's nice to know you, right? Like, I just flip around. So anyway, so this, this is what happens when you hug that extra long person. It's like, yeah, what's up, boy? Yeah. And they just hold on that little bit extra. Have you ever had that for you? And like the person that's getting hugged, you're like. <laughs> and you feel awkward. And then there's the, the super weird people that like hug you and they bring it in. They hold a little bit extra and then they just come in and they're like. <laughs> and they start smelling you. You know what I'm saying? You are, you are wrong as a person. Stop doing that. <laughs> Nowhere is that in the Bible ever. Right? So what happens? The first time it happens, you freak out. You're like, ooh, ooh. The second time it happens, you're like, ooh, ooh. The third time, you're like, oh, I know what's coming. Brace. You know what I'm saying? By the fourth time, you're like, oh, okay. By the fifth time, you're like, oh, I kind of enjoy this. By the sixth time, by the sixth time, you're like, let's go. Right? And you're there. So, so what's happened is uncomfortable the first time, a little bit more, a little bit more. But as you stretch and as you grow, that's why when we do worship in our church, we don't just sing two quick songs and then get out. Because in our church, we have a revelation that worship is not the appetizer. It is the main course. And so there are, unfortunately, some churches that just do the two songs at the beginning because you're supposed to do two songs in church. Show me where that is in the Bible. It's not. And so that's why the worship is dead, it's lifeless, and there's no presence of God. In our church, we do worship a little bit longer, and it annoys some people. It makes some people feel uncomfortable, but I'm okay with that. Because I know more time in the presence of God is only a good thing. And so it stretches, and this is what you'll find. The first time, it'll be like, ugh. 
Second time, oh. Second, third, ah. Oh. Fourth time, oh. Fifth time, let's go. <laughs> right? That's why we have something called a presence night every month for, for two hours on a Friday night. We do two hours of prayer and worship, like just straight. Like it is, I mean, if you think that Sunday is long in worship, don't come to presence night because you'll freak out, right? We go two hours, people are on the ground, people standing on their knees crying. It's just mayhem for two hours. Why? Because I want to stretch the spiritual muscles of people in our church because I'm praying and hoping that what you get here on a Sunday begins to put something inside of you, a hunger and a taste so that you you'll get it on Tuesday so that you'll get it on Wednesday so that you don't need Tyson to come up and start playing the keyboard in your bedroom because that'd be really weird but you don't need him to come up and do that because there's a hunger inside of you and so you know you know what it actually comes down to let me tell you this I would love a church where the worship leader was not needed I love our worship leaders. We have incredible, incredible worship leaders. Tonight, tonight, Tally and, uh, and Cyril, Cyril, voicing an angel, <laughs> right? They, 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 led us, they led us wonderfully. But, but to be honest, like as much as I love our worship leaders in our church, I don't need them. I don't need to be led in worship because I come ready. I don't need to be led. I'm there. They don't need to tell me to lift my hands. They're already lifted. They don't need me to tell me to sing out my own song. The moment they stop singing their own words, I start singing my own. Like, they, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we grew a church where we didn't need the worship leaders? Now, we're always going to need it because there's always going to be new people coming in. But you get, you get the point I'm making. If you don't need them on a Sunday, you won't need them on a Monday. Stretch number two, not just worship, but the word. We've got to stretch our capacity for the word of God. If you don't read the Bible at all, start reading one verse. Don't read 10 chapters to try and make up for your 10 years that you haven't read the Bible because you'll overdo it and you'll be like, eh, I can't be bothered, right? Just do one verse. If you read one verse, read a paragraph, stretch it. If you read a paragraph, read a chapter, stretch it. If you read one chapter, read two chapters, stretch it. If you read two chapters, you don't have to read more. You can actually begin to delve into it because the problem is a lot of times when we do these spiritual reading plans, we end up reading four or five chapters and at the end of it, we close the Bible. We do a big tick on our religious reading plan just because we're so excited. We read it. We close the Bible. We have no idea what we just read, but we're excited that we read the Bible because we could give ourselves a tip. Some of us actually need to read the Bible less so that we can chew on it more. Don't treat it like a chicken joint meal. Treat it like a beautiful steak. That you can sit and munch on over and over and over again and let it marinate in your spirit. And so we need to increase our capacity for the word. Why? Because the word is who we live by. The word who, Jesus, was the word made flesh. We live by the word. We're in line with the word. And, we all, and, and the problem is we've raised up a generation. And as much as I love worship, we've raised up a generation of worshipers that don't know the word. And so you'll sing another person's revelation, but you'll never be able to delve into the Word of God where they got that revelation from. Go straight to the source. Increase it. When it comes to sharing your faith, we should be increasing our capacity when it comes to sharing our faith with people. It's easy to do. You don't have to be a weirdo about it. Don't get a conviction. Go to work tomorrow and be like, hey, how you doing, friend? They're like, good. What'd you do on the weekend? Well, I went to church. And you know what I learned at church? I learned that you're a sinner that's going to hell. Get on your knees and repent right now or you will forever burn in the flames of eternity, right? You don't, please don't be that person. We don't need any more of those people, right? But if someone says, hey, what'd you do on the weekend? If you've never, ever shared your faith, you know the easiest thing to do? Say, hey, I went to church. 
The majority of people aren't called to be evangelists that stand up on the stage and preach the word of God and see tens and hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ. The majority are not called that, but everyone is called to go and make disciples wherever they are. And so when it comes to sharing our faith, stretch your faith. If people know you go to church, stretch it a little bit more. Talk about your faith. Talk about your relationship with Jesus. You know, don't just put up an Instagram of a verse, but actually talk about it with people. The first time you ever, let me tell you, the first time you ever pray for someone that you don't know, it's the scariest thing on the planet. It's so, you're like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird, they're going to think I'm crazy, and you go, you're like, excuse me, can I just pray for you? I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And usually, what are they, what are they? they're like, okay, go ahead. Right. right. And so, and, and listen, I think a lot of times that's actually more about you stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping over your fear and actually praying than for the other person. That's what happens a lot of time. But the second time you pray, well, you've already done this once. It's easier the second time. The third time you pray, I've already done it two times. I can do it the third. The fifth time you pray, it's like, I got this. You, let me pray for you. Right? Like, <laughs> our, our capacity stretches it when we actually get in and we begin to live it. Don't just read about it, stretch it. If I just read about working out in the gym, all I'll do is get fatter. I mean, I'll enjoy getting fatter because food is so good. Okay, last point. I'm preaching a little bit longer tonight, but that's okay. Because it's fun and captivating and not boring. Number three, how can we increase our capacity? Simply this, pray for an increase of capacity. Now, I know I said that God most of the time doesn't come and just pour capacity on you. I'm just waking some of you all up. But God can actually come and help you in your situation. The, the widow went to Elisha the prophet who represented the voice of God at that point in that time in the nation of Israel. So she went to the representative of God, asked for help, and God came through for her. How much greater is it today that we get to go directly to God? And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he can come and help us in whatever area that we need him to help. The most powerful thing that we can do in regards to this subject is actually uh, not just not speak negative and not just stretch, but actually pray to God to help us increase in our capacity in our life. There's no point asking God for more of his presence if you don't have the capacity to handle it. There's no point asking for God to, to give you more in your life if you don't have the capacity to handle whatever you're asking for. Sometimes we, we sing songs like, fill me up, fill me up. And some people are like, I'm overflowing, I'm overflowing. You're overflowing because you're the size of a communion cup. Maybe some of us need to change our prayer. And instead of saying, God, fill me up, we need to say, God, uh, increase the size of my cup. Give me a bigger cup to handle more of your spirit. Give me a bigger cup to handle more of your presence. Give me a bigger cup to handle a a greater business so that I can build the kingdom and not just my own brand. Give me a capacity, God, to be able to handle relationships so I can be an influence in this world. The woman, she's there with her sons. And the Bible says that Elisha told her to go borrow all the stuff, all the jars from other people, but then to shut the door. 
It's powerful thought that she had to shut the door because even though she borrowed all the jars from other people, they would have been wondering, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she had to shut the door on the negativity and the criticism that she would have got from her neighbors. <sighs> Why? You've only got a little flask. Oh, yeah, you're never going to be able to feel this. Why you need so many jars? Some of you all walked in here tonight with friends that you walked in beside you that you need to shut the door on their life and say, get the negativity out. Get the criticism out. I'm going to believe what God has Amen. for my life. And so she shuts the door and her sons come in and she's like, give me a jar. She begins to fill it up. All of a sudden from this little flask of olive oil, this jar begins to fill to the very top and it begins to start bubbling at the top. She's like, hey, give me one more jar. Take the, bring the next jar over. She begins to fill it up and it starts getting to the top. And she's like, you know, you'd realize by the second one, something's going on. She's like, ah, hey, give me one more. And she begins to fill it up, and up to the top, it starts to overflow. She's like, give me one more. She tells one son, go, start, go find, go, go to the outermost of the village. Start getting every, everything you can. Fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. Oh, give me one more, give me one more, give me one more. And she just continues to fill up these jugs, fill up these, these jars full of olive oil. Today, we need to stand before God and look at God and say, God, Give me one more. God, I love you and I believe in you, but give me one more. God, I trust you and I've grown in you, but give me one more. God, I, I, I can't begin to thank you for all the good things that you've done already in my life, but God, give me one more. There's more and I want more. God, give me one more. I'm not satisfied with just being a Sunday Christian. God, give me a little bit more. God, I'm not just satisfied with hearing the word and, and getting in your presence on a Sunday. I want it on a Monday and a Tuesday. Give me one more, God. Lord, I'm not just satisfied with just being a normal Christian. I want to do something that changes my world. Give me one more, God. God, I want to see miracles happen in my life. Not just the little ones, but the big ones. God, give me one more. God, I'm tired of just being in a religious country that's overrun by religious people that know so much about you but don't know you. Use me, God. Give me more. 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 Give me one more. We are the ones that limit our own capacity. The provision is there. The question is, do we have the capacity to be able to receive it? God tonight wants to pour out his presence on you, wants to pour out his spirit on you, wants to pour out his anointing on you. God, give me a bigger jar, a bigger cup, to receive more of you. In a moment, we're going to pray. And, and I'm going to pray for two things. Number one, I'm going to pray for people that you got big dreams for the future. God's put some dreams in your heart. God's put things that you know you can't do without supernatural help. But as you've listened to my sermon tonight, you've realized that the stretch is going to come. And it's going to be painful. And the capacity that you're looking to increase in won't just happen by reading about it and won't just happen by attending church, but it'll happen by actually living it. And so we're going to pray that God's going to give you the strength and the boldness to be able to take that. Second group of people we're going to pray for is those that are in the middle of the stretch right now. 
and you know it, and you feel it, and you know God's on you, and you know you're in the stretch, and it might be painful, and it might be hurting, and you might feel like, can I do this any longer? Can I do Let me tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Stop agreeing with the devil and start agreeing with God. But before we pray for those people and before we worship, I want to give everyone here the opportunity to actually start a relationship with Jesus. See, every person in this place was born with sin in your life. It was a result of the fall at the dawn of time when Adam and Eve first came into this world. And our sin has separated us from God, whether we realize it or not. And a price needed to be paid for that sin that has separated us. And so Jesus Christ, who was in heaven with God, Jesus the Son, came down to earth. And he gave his life, killed, beaten, and abused. A sinless man, he paid the price for our sin. But he didn't just stay dead on the cross. He didn't just stay dead in the tomb, but he defeated death. He defeated the grave, and he rose again after three days to give us victory, to give us access to God and access to eternal life. And all we have to do to get it, the Bible describes to us in Romans chapter 10, is to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. And it says this, you will be saved. It's beautiful. So maybe you're here tonight, and this is the first time you've ever been to church. Maybe you've never, ever been to church before. Maybe you've never had a moment where you've given your heart to Jesus before. Maybe you're here and you did it a long time ago, but the stretch was too much. The stretch was just too painful and you walked away. I don't know what it was. God knows. He knows your journey. But tonight I want to give you a chance to respond to Jesus. Could you just bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? If you're saying, James, that's me, I'm that first person. I... uh, I've never done this before, but, you know, what you're saying, it makes sense. In the last four weeks of our church, we've had 210 people raise their hand in this moment to respond. So you're not alone. Maybe you're here and you're saying, James, I'm that second person. uh, I've walked away from God. I don't have a relationship with him like I used to. I'm not asking whether you've had a bad week or a bad month. We all go through that. I'm asking you know in the depths of your heart that you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. If you're either of those two groups of people, on the count of three, I'd love you to lift your hands all the way from the front to the back and to the side because I want to pray for you right where you sit tonight. So if that's you, you lift your hands. One, two, three, now, all over this place. Awesome. Hands going up everywhere. Here, a couple in the front, a couple in the back, here in the front, there on the side, a couple over there, up in the back row. That's awesome. I see your hand. Anyone else? Just a moment longer, you say yes to Jesus. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Thank you. Here, right in the middle. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if you lifted your hand, this is what I want you to do. I'd love you to put your hand on your heart right now. If you lifted your hand, and we're going to pray a prayer together just reflecting that scripture in Romans chapter 10. And we're all going to pray this prayer, favorite church. But those that lifted your hand, I I really want you to mean these words with everything that you have. And I believe that Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, will come and begin to live in your life instantly. So come on, say these words with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died 
but that you defeated death for the forgiveness of my sin. So please come into my life. Become my Lord. Become my Savior. And become my best friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise for every person that just responded? That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favor Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.